kind of <laughs> knowledge of global pandemics and their psychological effects. Who'd have thought that would come in handy? Who'd have thought? I was like, oh, when I think about it, I do know a lot of stuff. You're listening to Pop the Kettle On with Nicole Essio and Dr. Rachel Bushing. Let's do it. Hey, Rach. Hello, beautiful. It's been too long because we're a little bit late, yeah. but it's so lovely to see you. And that's all right, dude. Yeah, because I want to hear what you've been doing. What have I been doing? Nick's been all over the country, apparently. Well, not all over the country, mm-hmm. but, you know, travelled to Townsville for work and that was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, it was my first work trip in my new job because things had been cancelled prior, you know, mm-hmm. because of the contagion. Mm-hmm. 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 So, yeah, uh, it was really cool, actually, but... Mm-hmm. I am currently in a moon boot, which makes traveling a little bit less My poor dear. fun. But yeah. So interestingly enough, in the midst of the floods, we could record. Mm. But yeah, I think that's the thing. Don't feel guilty for even a second that we're a week late. <laughs> because yeah, it's the playing catch up, right? Yes. So yep. everything is just, we'll just reschedule it till exactly. now. And we are chill about it. And we love our audience who are also super chill about it. Yeah. 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 So thanks guys for being patient with because yes. you're awesome. Yeah, we're going to talk contagion. We are. We did foreshadow that we were talking about contagion. Correct. And one of us has done their homework. Yes. And the other of us has not. Naughty Nick. <laughs> well, so, again, Nicole was too busy and she stiffed me when I went to the live recording of Just the Gist podcast. Mm, mm. Sorry, that looked fun. But it got also, um, oh, I had such a fun night. That's, That's really fun. Good. Found a friend in the end. Oh, yeah. Never mind, Nicole. You didn't tell – you didn't buy no. tickets with me. It's this not is, like I, I – This <laughs> is correct. I bought tickets to go with my husband who stiffed me. Then I thought, next best thing, pod sister. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't make it. Yes. So then I went with a um, school friend. Oh, mom, that's so lovely. And she had a lot of fun. Oh, good. And so basically in their podcast, they, um, they take it in turns to be the one who knows the stuff. Ah. So it is kind of just like the dollop. Excellent. It's, um, yeah, it's very similar to the dollop. But I think or rather than doing historical events, they do funny, kooky stories. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of like You're Wrong About as well. There's another podcast that I quite enjoyed. Yeah, although Rosie's constantly saying they're the dumbed down version. <laughs> Of your wrong about. Excellent. She's, That's my level. Yeah. She's like, we're just giving you the gist. Yeah. Yes. Oh, just mm-hmm. the gist. Of course. Uh-huh. Yes. Of course. Yeah. So I'm glad you had fun at that. Super um, fun. Wish I could have been free enough to be able to do that with you. Lots of fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and But they didn't talk about contagion. We're talking about contagion. <laughs> we are. Uh, I haven't seen the movie, mm-hmm. as we know, didn't do my homework, mm-hmm. but clearly it was, I know that it was made in 2011 Correct. and that when the COVID-19 pandemic began, people started going, <gasps> oh my God, oh my God, it's so, just like the movie. It's just like the movie. So, so I'm so, actually very excited to have a little synopsis for you. Hit me. Because <laughs> as I was watching it, I was just taking notes. Nice. So I'm thinking this synopsis and... You know, maybe maybe in hindsight we should actually do this every single time. I like it. It's, it's called being g- organised and on top of things. <laughs> it's, a, it's a new feeling. So, all right, Contagion did come out in 2011. Mm-hmm. It's directed by Steven Soderbergh. Mm-hmm. He is someone I had heard of and everyone's like, of course. And I'm like, what did he do again? Mm. So I'm here to tell you. He did the Oceans. All of the Oceans? All of the Oceans ah. with the numbers. Yes. He did Magic Mike. Oh, he never did seen it. Erin Brockovich. Ooh. And he did like, you know, um, traffic 
Oh, yes, back in the day. I think that was one of his first ones. Wow, that was an intense one. Yeah, so across the sort of early noughties. When I think about it, the style is sort of hard-hitting topics. Mm. And look, a stellar celebrity cast. I looked at the cast list for this movie. Holy guacamole. It is intense. Yeah. It's just like everybody shows up in this movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very well crafted Mm. and very well done. And I think taking a very heavy topic but making it interesting and not too traumatising I think we probably wouldn't have found it traumatising in 2011. It is highly triggering (laughs) because there are so many little vignettes. Yeah. I I see what everyone's talking about. It's like, oh, my God, yep, that looks like. That is the fictional version of exactly what we saw. Mm. So there are some differences. All right. So here's the plot. Go. We start with Gwyneth Paltrow, just in case you know. She's looking pasty. Oh, Pasty Gwyneth. She's at a, um, I think she's like at the airport bar in Hong Kong. Mm. Warning, warning. Mm. We see her sweating. We see her about to board a plane. Mm -hmm. We see her eating from a bowl of peanuts. Of course. We see her handing her debit card to pay for her drinks. Mm -hmm. And everything starts screaming, no, (laughs) don't get on that plane. Don't touch Gwyneth. She's looking pretty pasty. She gets home to Minnesota. She has a seizure. And dies. Oh, lordy. Okay. I know, right? That's very psycho. Psycho. Well, the star of the movie gets killed in the first, you know. Oh. Yeah. I was thinking kind of a a more lowbrow reference, which is Drew Barrymore in Scream. Yes, also that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, she does actually come back in flashback form. So she did actually learn, earn her like top billing status. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that's a bit confronting. She coughs, she has a seizure and she dies. Oh, lord. Mm -hmm. Then we flash to a Hong Kong market. Mm-hmm. Triggered. Mm-hmm. Food being chopped up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and cases start popping up in Hong Kong and Tokyo and other places around the world. Ooh. We start to be introduced to the workers from the CDC. Ah. It's kind of like you need to like ding a bell every time. It's like, yep, we had that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but <gasps> it could be a drinking game. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Start shotting your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> So, Lawrence Fishburne is also like celebrity, Yes. Lawrence Fishburne's working for the CDC. Right. He teams up with Kate Winslet. Oh. Also working with the CDC. Of course she is. Where else would she be? They start investigating, advising, contract tracing. Ding. Ah, ding, ding. Mm -hmm. And the guy who played Gianni Versace, he's there too. Oh, wow. (laughs) I don't know what his name is. Okay. (laughs) Bald guy with a moon face. I don't know. He also works for the CDC. Gotcha. Then we have Marion Cotillard who works for the... Who? Ah. World Health Organization. Mm -hmm. She's actually got quite a small part. Mm. It's like a side quest to the central plot. But we needed someone with an accent. But she was from the Who, so so that we can go ding. Yep. Um, Then we see Matt Damon, who was Gwyneth's husband. Ah. That's weird. They're like eight-year-old, starts looking pasty, Uh, starts coughing. Oh, no. He dies. No! I know. So this is like the first 15 minutes. Jeepers. And at this point, I'm starting to feel so sad. Yeah. Because that is the kind of experience of the early stages of the pandemic. Yeah, except it wasn't your eight-year-old. It was your 85-year-old grandma. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People just dropping down. Yeah. No one knows what's going on. Yeah. Turns out Matt Damon's immune. Oh, that's not real. Yeah. So Mm. we get to live the entire rest of the movie going, well, he's not going to die. Right. I suppose they had to keep some people alive. Probably should have plot. been. Mm, anyway. To drive it forward. Turns out he's immune. Then we learn some facts from Kate Winslet. Oh. First of all, 
the average person touches their face two to 3,000 times per day. <gasps> Is that true? <laughs> Apparently. Wow, that's a lot of touching. I remember hearing something similar when it came to our pandemic. Yeah, yeah. She makes reference to H1N1. Uh-huh. Which she said also originated in Hong Kong. Mm. Swine flu. Mm-hmm. They talk about the 1918 Spanish flu. Yep. They say that one killed 1% of the world. Wow. Even just something that's slightly triggering this one, they end up calling MEV1. Mm. Now, pop quiz. Yep. I had this, I was having a chat with friends the other day and I was like, this is so going to be like a quiz item in like years to come. Yeah, yeah. What is the name, uh-huh. the official name for the coronavirus C- that we just had? C1N1? <laughs> Try again. No. I have no idea. SARS? COVID? Oh, SARS. Two. COVID-2. Yeah. Because I was sitting there trying to rack my brains and I was like, what is what is it actually called again? And I felt like when it first came out, it was called like coronavirus. Yeah. And then it was called like... Um, COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and then this SARS-CoV-2. SARS-CoV-2. Because yeah. the SARS is about the respiratory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they show the people in the lab and they show the, all the other big sort of strains. Ah. And then they're like, this is MEV1. I know it's fictional, but it's even that is triggering. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that is exactly the kind of coding system that they use. Mm-hmm. All right, turns out when they're analysing this virus, Mm -hmm. it has something, I don't know how they tell, but they can tell that it came from bats and pigs. Mm -hmm. Bats and pigs. Bats and pigs. It is respiratory and neurological. Oh. So in many ways, it's a worse virus. Yeah, that does not sound fun. Okay. There are attempts at contract tracing. Mm -hmm. Winslet. Starts getting pasty. Oh, no. Winslet starts coughing. No. She's the main person on the task force out there contract tracing and investigating the source of the disease, mm-hmm. which reminded me of very reminiscent of that doctor in Wuhan mm-hmm. who, like, first identified yes, and spoke yes, out did. about the virus. Mm-hmm. The little side quest with Marion Cotillard is about being in China and this po- political, should we, <laughs> Yeah. how do we use people? She actually ends up getting kidnapped. Oh my lord! <laughs> but like I say, side quest. <laughs> yes, you gotta have it. You gotta have a C plot. Oh my god, she starts getting sick, and you're thinking, no, she can't die as well. She dies, doesn't she? Meanwhile, <laughs> there's very little leadership going on, and I start thinking to myself, where's Fauci? <laughs> Everybody needs a Fauci. Get Fauci on the screen, or in our Queensland contacts, where context, where's Jeanette Young? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who's going to stand up and tell the people what's going on and how to hold it together? No, doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. Becomes militarised, sparks a panic, mm-hmm. move the president underground. Ooh. Let's not hear from the president. Let's just try and sequester him and keep him safe. Wow. Thinking about the struggles that we had over toilet paper, uh-huh. there's much more civil unrest in this movie. Right. This is the point that my husband watching it with me, who'd seen it before, said that is exactly what I was worried about at the start of the pandemic. Right. Complete meltdown yes so they do show people hoarding canned goods toilet Mm -hmm. paper but also storming chemists and um medical facilities and absolute riots so kind of cool actually to think we didn't have yeah the rioting by and large well um, you know aside from the toilet paper wars yeah made me feel a little bit grateful yeah absolutely all right jude law (laughs) Are you ready for Jude Law? Oh, my God. Ding. 
got another one. Jude Law shows up and he's got these like false dodgy teeth. So he has like these uneven teeth. So they're making Jude Law unattractive is what you're telling me. They're uglying him up. They're uglifying Jude Law. They're uglifying him to reflect the fact that he's an ugly person. Uh, And he also has this weird dodgy accent that I thought was like some kind of cockney, but sometimes sounds Australian. Never, never discussed. Oh. But he has like this dodgy tooth and a dodgy accent. Okay. So he is the blogger mm. who starts saying that this um, crackpot cure is. Oh, you're kidding me. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Don't trust the medical authorities. This thing that I'm selling. So he, he He's starts. Pete to look, Evans. He starts to look sweaty. Yeah, Pete Evans. He starts to look sweaty. He starts blogging. I've got it, but I'm taking this special thing. Uh-huh. So if I survive, if you see me tomorrow, it worked. Oh, Bell Gibson style. Uh-huh, mm. uh-huh. So that's Jude Law's role. Fun. Great. Um, Nondescript accent included. <laughs> yeah. So civil unrest. Yeah, one in four are dying. Ooh, that is a bad, bad death rate. Again, made me feel good about our one in ten. No. It's no? A, no, it's about a – It's they reckon it's somewhere from 1.4 to 3 point, 1.8 to 3.4% death rate. Okay. Um, oh, so more than my one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, talking... less. Yeah, Hang less. On. Yeah, sorry, less. One in a hundred. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One to three in a hundred. Oh, I'm glad you. I'm glad you're coming with the coronavirus dad. <laughs> yeah, one in four. Yeah. Wow, that is a massive, massive death rate. And I think that explains also the. Um, it, yeah, it seems to be highly contagious. Yeah. And it's very. They show like this ticker so tape what's their of days. R, what's the R rate? Oh, because we know about, about these things. Ooh, R yeah. rate four. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Because we were trying to keep ours under one. Didn't uh-huh. we? I remember that yes. during the the height. Yeah, Winslet before she gets sick and dies i knew she died <laughs> you didn't have to say that loud we all knew didn't that's we, my everybody? next dot point <laughs> my gosh. she gets a whiteboard and she goes this is this r naught number that we're looking for and this is the other pandemics and this uh-huh. is yeah what we're hoping for and this is what it looks like and now i'm going to dive into the ocean and find that thing that i dropped one and four <laughs> i mean the thing is they never showcase anyone from the three and four who get pasty and survive ah. <laughs> so i'm like mm. kate winslet gets put in a mass grave Ooh. In like a plastic bag. Yeah, that's very New York. That's also Circa 19, pretty... Uh, 2020, isn't mm-hmm. it? Pretty horrifying. That's ridiculously horrifying. All right. Then it mutates. Of course it does. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> and at this point, we see a lovely visual montage of all the empty spaces, oh, which is very 2020. Isn't it? Empty stadiums, empty museums. Empty, empty airports. Shops. Uh-huh. I think in the start, they give kind of lip service to isolation and quarantine, mm. but it sort of seems to me like there's a lot of people out on the streets with runny noses panicking, Ah, and they don't show, even though they show kind of like people empty spaces, they don't really show, okay, here's the people doing the right responsible thing and no. self-isolating. Yeah, that doesn't make for exciting to movie no i suspect but makes me think that whole you know the whole sort of like what do we have to complain about because you just have to stay home yeah shelter in place this is not a massive drama you just Mm. have to be home turns out it is a massive drama but we'll get to that yes (laughs) so guess what just when it's looking at its worst oh hooray there's a vaccine vaccine Ding, ding, ding. Science of course, um, again. Jude Law tries to discredit the vaccine. 
And he gets caught um, talking to a colleague who's got a um, hidden recording device and the Gianni Gianni Versace guy, Mm. I don't know why he's making the arrest, he's from the CDC, anyway, he shows up to arrest Jude Law. My husband at this point goes, that's what they should have done to the anti-vaxxers over here. (laughs) I don't think anyone got arrested. So anyway, there's a vaccine lottery a lottery. Yeah, it reminded they don't have me. Enough. Well, yes, exactly. Wow. So that whole question of who is it that's going to get the first doses? Who do yeah. we prioritize? Yeah, yeah. And it looked very much like the um, like Vietnam War kind of lottery, because it was birthday. Birthday, like Let's... like this conscription lottery mm-hmm. for the Vietnam War. Correct. If anyone isn't aware of that, that was an Australian policy mm-hmm. to get men fighting in the war. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. There's controversy because Lawrence Fishburne is giving the vaccine to his loved ones. Oh, like his wife. <laughs> like in Sydney when that entire school, private oh. boys' school, got the vaccine before, you know, your grandma in her nursing home. Interesting. All the Indigenous communities. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Who are still struggling because mm-hmm. there's a lot of vaccine hesitancy there too. I know, right? Oh. So slowly though the vaccine rolls out and people become vaccinated and um, Matt Damon has a daughter. It's also a bit of a side quest, not that important, but it pretty much closes with her finally being able to dance with her boyfriend at a home prom. Oh, homecoming dance. So they have these little um, wrists. Oh, at home. Yeah, at home. Oh, not just homecoming, but Mm -hmm. actually at home. A home prom. So the way that they do the um, proof of vaccination is a little like plastic um, tag around your wrist with a barcode on it. Right. So it gets scanned to allow you access to places. Gotcha. So he gets vaccinated so he can come around and make lovey-dovey eyes with Matt Damon's daughter, teenager. Surviving child. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And so that's kind of pretty much the last scene is having a home prom. Right. And I thought, yeah, that does feel very 2020 as it well. It does. Absolutely. Um, but no, there's one final scene. Oh, we find out, don't we? Do you want to know who Patient Zero is? Oh, no. Is it, is it Gwyneth? I thought it was Gwyneth. <laughs> of course it was Gwyneth. So the very last scene is showing a bat pooing on the ground in a farmhouse. Ah. The pig consuming the guano. The chef in Hong Kong chopping up the pig mm-hmm. and handing the meal to Gwyneth. Gwyneth. <laughs> yeah. It's all Gwyneth's fault. And and so, from what I understand, that is absolutely, mm. I mean, clearly, that was uh, very much mm-hmm. in line with what happened with, with COVID-19. Mm. It was what is in line with what Bill Gates warned about in his 2015 TED Talk mm-hmm. because of the way we are destroying habitats and things like that. Bats are stressed. They don't have as much immunity to fight off any of these diseases that they end up with. Yeah. Uh, they interact more often with other animals because mm-hmm. their habitat's been destroyed. We eat other animals. Ergo, we end up with whatever the bats had in the first place. Correct. Now, of course, mm. because Bill made that prediction... He also caused the pandemic, you know? <laughs> yes, and, and isn't he putting the 5G in the vaccines? Honestly, mm-hmm. I have no internet at this house. If he was putting 5G in vaccines and I've, I'm double vaxxed and boosted, I would actually have proper internet in this joint. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> Clearly doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing mm-hmm. though how because of that, 
it seems like a, a magic prediction, mm-hmm. but it's absolutely not. Yeah. You know, the, the movie Contagion, the details that, that Bill laid out in that 2015 TED Talk, it's all based on science mm-hmm. and being able to predict out likely outcomes based on information that you already have. Based it's on not, past pandemics. And past pandemics. It's not based on a Ouija board, tarot cards, or, you know, like it, it is using past mm. information to predict future yeah. behaviours. Yeah. But because they said it out loud, mm-hmm. it was all of a sudden, you know, yeah. a big conspiracy. Exactly. Mm. There are epidemiologists who it's their entire job and uh-huh. field of profession for this very reason. You know, there's outbreaks getting stamped out all the time. Um, You know, I think it's funny because I remember where there was a bit of chat about like, oh, I've never heard of a coronavirus before. And there was a bit of chat around like, you know, MERS and SARS and stuff Mm. like that. And a lot of people I was talking to was like, SARS? What was SARS? Wow. But the only reason I really remember it is because that's when I was working at the theme park on the Gold Coast. Yeah. And so Australia wasn't affected. No. So everyone's like, huh? But... Our uh, tourist dollars from Asia mm. really, like, they nearly went under. Yeah. Um, it was a real kind of, like, downturn yeah. in having any international tourists. Well, it was a really significant mm. pandemic mm-hmm. that they had, but it was contained. <laughs> Don't right? ask me the difference between pandemic and epidemic. Epidemic and, and all endemic. All and, and Yeah. Look, you guys can Google, you can figure it out. You're smart people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Outbreak. Outbreak. <laughs> Just disease. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. These things are not uncommon and they happen. Yeah. And, yeah. And they are more likely to happen as things like habitat destruction happens and animals are more stressed and animals are put in other That's situations right. that they are not mm-hmm. normally put in. Mm-hmm. It's definitely something that we have to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And pre vaccine illnesses, you know, would go through entire populations and yes. bring them down too. Yeah. That's yeah. It. It's kind of interesting, like in many ways, you know, there's that talk around the fact that, especially here in Australia, we weren't facing mortalities mm. on a day-to-day basis. Mm. And it became easy for people to feel like, well, then what is all this pain and punishment for? Mm. Like, why am I staying at home? Yes. I can't see this thing out there. Therefore, I don't believe it's happening. Mm-hmm. I mistrust my politicians and scientists, etc., etc. So therefore, I know better my rights. Yeah. It's very, I think the human psyche, you can tell me better than anyone, Rach, mm. That avoidance of pain, you don't understand that it's actually happening around the world because Mm. it's not happening to you. Therefore, Mm. your perspective is it's not happening. It's a very uh, self-centred perspective. Mm -hmm. And Australians had the fortune, Mm. and I mean fortune, Mm. of having that self-centred perspective because it wasn't happening to us on a daily basis. Mm. Uh, It is now. We've let... Omicron flow through the the community in a much different way than we did with the first wave and the Delta wave. Mm -hmm. And there are deaths happening every day, but we're not exposing ourselves to it in the same way. We're not having daily stand-up press conferences. Yeah. It is absolutely easy for us to still imagine that it is not a thing. Mm. Unless, of course, that thing visits visits us or our families. Yeah. Mm. Well, I don't know. I haven't read anything, you know, to that question like, explain this psychology. <laughs> mm. um, in terms of the denial, I think it's like about a lack of control. I've yeah. heard that said. But when I think about it too, I think our primitive brains, our fear-based brains, they're only really meant to, like most of our prehistory has been in small communities and small locations. And that's why we find a lot more anxiety disorders and stuff these days because – 
we experience, you know, when we hear something on the news, it could mm. be happening half a world away. We would never have known that information before. In our 150 maximum kind of group. Mm-hmm. Mm. So we kind of, we have that thing where we experience it as though it is happening to our group. Mm. And then there's that other competing force of what you just said. The other part of my brain is also, but if it's not right here and I can't see it, then it's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I think... Oh, my God. So I have talking points because oh. I have so much to say. I can feel that. It's great. <laughs> We're learning so much. And I did the synopsis, so I don't necessarily need to dominate. <laughs> but we've had, we had this topic on the roster for a while. Mm. And I'm actually glad we're doing it now. Not that pandemic is over, because anyone who says post-pandemic is talking nonsense. Absolutely, they are, and they need to be (laughs) taken to task. I think like what we just said, even this particular outbreak or this particular strain, there's Mm. no real such thing as Mm post-pandemic. There is the reality that these kinds of illnesses can spread and spread quickly and cause a lot of devastation, always. Yeah, Yeah, because we are a globalised world. Mm-hmm. That's just the price of, yeah. of us making that progress. I am really glad I watch Contagion now, though, yes. rather than in the midst of it. Absolutely. I, and I think I'm probably still – I wasn't ready, so I was putting off my homework. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd like to encourage you, there's nothing too traumatising. Yeah, okay. Um, and if you don't like Gwyneth Paltrow <laughs> – I love Gwyneth Paltrow. See, I know. Everyone loves to hate her, but that's mean. I mean, I don't want her candle, <laughs> but I love I love Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. It's her and then the sun is probably the saddest thing. Oh. oh. And then Winslet. Oh. Um, you know, it does kind of, it does, it doesn't kind of sew everything up. I turned to Ben and said, how are they going to like resolve this? There's no resolution of this narrative arc. Mm-hmm. Like I can't really show post-pandemic without doing a really hokey like five years later. No, exactly. <laughs> and it's not a five years later hokey kind of mm-hmm. opportunity, is it? You mm-hmm. know, that's not what they were trying to portray. Yeah, that's exactly right. Mm. So um, what are your talking points? You want to talk about What are my talking points? I kind of have them in um, order. In order. Because I think what first occurred to me as a psychologist when everything started shutting down Mm. is that, first of all, there was that real heightened anxiety. Yes. Lack of control. Mm -hmm. And the weird and wacky thing is that it was so globalised. And it was really strange because I was chatting to a lot of my clients who already had anxiety. Yeah. And they'd say things like, I'm actually not really that anxious now. Because it's like the whole world is anxious. Oh, so I don't have to be on heightened alert for everyone because mm -hmm. everyone's on heightened alert. Correct. Wow, how (laughs) fascinating. And it was also a fair bit of chatter amongst us psychologists. We're always advised that if something's going on in our personal life Mm -hmm. that's causing us personal emotional distress, Mm -hmm. let's try and be really wary about our capacity to be there for others who are going through a similar thing. Mm. While we're still trying to process it, it is just a big ask to also ask you to help someone else process theirs. Correct. Mm -hmm. Makes very good logical sense. It does make exceptionally good logical sense. Except So every psychologist closed their books and just like lived and processed. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. In the midst of a global pandemic, yeah, pandemic mm-hmm. when everybody is experiencing that stress and mm-hmm. that anxiety, uh, you, you're needed more than ever, mm-hmm. and it's that's oh. yeah, that's intense for psychologists. I yeah. can't even imagine. And we're on the hop, and like a lot of pr- 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 <laughs> professions, trying to also invent processes, right? Trying to figure out how do we do this? Like, how does it all work? There was mm. all these workshops on like how to do telehealth, mm. and a lot of fear. 
as well. Oh my God. Clients are wanting something of me. I'm also scared. I've also got competing demands. Um, I have to make a livelihood. And now I've also got to learn how to be amazing at telehealth. (laughs) Still happens to this day. Hey, your connection's not real great. I'm sitting there going, I know it's your connection that's not great. And then blaming you. No, you know, and basically being like, I'm paying for this service and why is my connection not great? Oh, dear, that's really (laughs) troubling. At at my end, it would always be my fault. Uh That I know because of our troubles with connections. But, uh, yeah, that makes it really difficult. But there was overload as well and so many dropouts. So just even this idea of trying to keep the basics of life chugging away as normal Mm. is just so stressful for everyone yeah absolutely your amygdala is fly firing on all cylinders point number one Mm. globalized stress no one's okay yeah no one is okay Mm -hmm. our leaders are not okay no my kids are not okay Mm -hmm. the parents are not okay yep single people are not okay Mm -hmm. apparently some people enjoyed lockdown yeah well done for them (laughs) i i say good luck to them that is excellent. I am still far too traumatized <laughs> to even really tap into my empathy. Yeah. I'm really glad for them. Yeah, absolutely. But because if that if they found that isolation mm. uh, so comforting, mm-hmm. I can imagine that the quote-unquote normal world mm. is incredibly overwhelming. They've just yeah. had a little break for a second. Yeah. Being the introvert that I am, given different circumstances, would have quite enjoyed isolation. Yeah, yeah However, absolutely own a business, had to keep the business running, Mm. had to deal with people's difficult problems and emotions, Mm. had to parent. Had to parent, had to homeschool, you know, all of the fun things. I was chatting this through with my um, supervisor and the one thing I said, I think it's like tick, tick, tick for all those high-risk categories. Yeah. I said, the only thing I don't have is family overseas. Yeah. That would have been, that's also pretty stressful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was um, helping my mother who was immunocompromised at the time. Yeah, indeed. (laughs) So, you know, I love that imagery about um, the boats and the water. Have you heard of this one before? Everybody's in the same ocean, but not everybody has the same boat. Some of us are in rafts that are held together by sticky tape. Exactly right. Mm -hmm. So we can't even say this is the global experience for everybody. It is so individualized. Well, I mean, if you look at stats in the US in particular about the difference between the death rate and the illness rate of, Mm -hmm. you know, white people Mm -hmm. in America versus Mm -hmm. people of color, it is extraordinary and goes to show that some people's boats are made of yeah nothing absolutely and you're mm-hmm. absolutely right and that's my privilege too absolutely White middle class mm-hmm. you know and in australia yes who by and large had a pretty good <laughs> public health policy exactly and kept people safe and yeah. save lives mm-hmm. all right so everyone's screwed that's dot point number one <laughs> excellent <laughs> so good to know dot point number two um isolation mm. So I moved as a psychologist into a real kind of phase, mid-lockdown, where every conversation I was having with clients was about this idea of what Dan Siegel calls the healthy mind platter. Dan Siegel, he's the guy who did the whole brain child. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of that book? I have heard about that. Yeah, he's done quite a few writings and um, really prolific and really good around child's neurological development. So I'm assuming the platter is 
the ability to taste from lots of different little bits. Absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. So basically just like the healthy food plate yep. that they do now, yep. he's like seven daily doses of good mental fuel. Mm. And those seven nutrients are things like social time, yep. work and productivity time, relaxation and downtime, sleep, playtime. Mm. I've just said five. Um, <laughs> I think he's like reflection and processing time. Mm-hmm. Mm. There's another physical time, of exercise, because yeah. that helps our brain too. It does indeed. So which out of those seven were we sampling during lockdown? Yeah. Attempting. Mm-hmm. Attempting to sample them all. Yeah, and attempting to be like, I'll go out for my daily walk because that will blah 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 But finding that pretty unsatisfying after like a week. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, I'll do a Zoom party. Yes. And that's fun for a while, but... Uh, then it's exhausting. I'm just over it. Yeah. And like social time over a screen does something to our brains, which is not the same as social time in person. No, absolutely. It does not. Um, so the other thing I like to tell people about isolation and stress, this is my favorite thing, Mm. is that stress, stress is not an emotion. Stress is a set of circumstances that is a precursor to emotion. Right. So stress is like how much demand you have on you as a person Mm -hmm. at any one point in time. Mm -hmm. And there's low stress and there's high stress. Mm -hmm. So stress is when you go to, let's say you're a factory worker and you go there for your job and you've got your conveyor belt of like tasks coming down the conveyor belt. Mm -hmm. A good day for a factory worker is enough tasks coming your way productivity time breaks where you can step away from the conveyor belt Mm -hmm. and what is coming down the conveyor belt are like packages that you're familiar with yeah maybe slightly challenging or novel but you've got enough experience and knowledge that you know how to dismantle and send it on its way Mm. healthy productive stress is when you're feeling like life is like that yeah high stress is when you've got new packages that you've never seen before they're coming faster coming faster there's an unrelenting boss who's kind of like, work harder, mm. which I like to say is like our self-talk, is like yeah. the four men <laughs> 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 and social judgment being you're failing because you're not doing these enough. Mm. Can I rest? No, you cannot rest. There's yeah. more packages coming down here. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of think like, for, for me, my experience of lockdown was like just multiple conveyor belts, not even multiple packages. Yeah. Yep. And yep. never having to rest just burning out mm. and then going, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. But then just juggling this conveyor belt, that conveyor belt, leaving mm-hmm. it, never feeling like anything's done. Yeah. You relate. I do relate. Indeed, I do. And of course, when that happens, it's going to drive up the three main emotions, anger, mm. sadness and anxiety. Because mm. anger is like, I don't like this life. Yeah. This, is, this sucks. I didn't sign up for this. No. <laughs> sadness is like... It's too much. It's overwhelming. I can't do it. Yeah. I can't even do anything. I can't even do one package because mm. it's just more packages. The packages keep coming. Yeah. And then anxiety. Oh, my God, I got all this stuff. Yeah. The world's all going to fall apart if I don't. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing about low stress, and this is what happened during lockdown. Some people had, like you and me, but some people had, I go to work at the factory and there's nothing. Mm. There is no conveyor belt. Mm. There's no tasks. There's no life. Yeah. There's no nothing. Mm. And so it's conditions of low stress that also drive up the three main ones. Yeah, wow. Because anger. You tell me the self-talk of anger when there's low stress. Yeah, well, it's, it's you know, I don't have anything to do, damn it. 
Mm-hmm. Why is there no one giving me anything to do? Why can't people give me answers? Why can't they tell me what's happening? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Who's to blame for this? Yeah. Who's yep. running the show? Yeah. I don't like these set of conditions. Mm-hmm. Sadness when you've got not a lot to do. Yeah. What's the, what's the point of me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Who am I? Who am I if I'm not productive in any way, shape or form? No life. Why am I here? That's right. Because what keeps depression at bay is mastery and success yeah. at things that are difficult. Mm. Uh, anxiety. When there's nothing coming. Yeah. You would think that would be a nice time to relax, wouldn't you? Yeah, but then it's like, what is the other shoe that's going to drop? What's and coming? What's coming? Mm-hmm. And if I can't, if there's nothing coming, then, oh my God, how do I pay my bills? And how do I, you know... We start to invent problems coming Indeed. down the conveyor belt that may not exist. Mm-hmm. Mm. We just make it up. Because our little brains are good at that. So no wonder referrals to psychologists have increased yeah. during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I think to me that's the most simplistic way of... summing it up yeah indeed and some of us have the high stress and some of us have the low stress and some of us have both Mm. but not that nice moderate steady flow Mm. that helps us feel in control that things are predictable that I feel I have agency yes and efficacy yes and again we're all in different boats for some people just a little bit of that is going to tip them over the edge into psychological clinical psychological distress Mm. Um, Makes a lot of sense. Correct. Mm. All right. Oh, I really, I really have um, dodged a bullet watching this movie. I don't know that it, <laughs> <laughs> it would, it would add to my stress. No, but I mean, there is something to 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 having that understanding mm. that this is not an unusual way for us to respond. The way in which we've responded into a circumstance that we could not possibly have predicted in our own lives you know we're not epidemiologists I'm sure those people responded in the way that made sense to them but Mm. from our point of view you know it's not something we've ever experienced before or know how to respond to Mm -hmm. humans very much like patterns Mm -hmm. we like to we like a little bit of predictability people say they love to be spontaneous and they don't we're we're mammals we're like the dog yeah we want containment yeah we want to be trained Mm -hmm. (laughs) we want to know where we sit in the pecking order exactly where do I stand Mm -hmm. and that's just it threw that whole kind of social understanding out the window yeah and that's very stressful for humans very so the fact that we are you know people some people are desperate to get back to quote-unquote normal Mm -hmm. um there are others who are saying normal wasn't working for me uh this is a lot better there are others still who are saying uh normal never worked for me Mm -hmm. this you know complete opposite direction is where I am in my happy place you know there is I think this throwing up of the rules Mm -hmm. of we can do things differently but as humans we want to go back to that pattern that we're used to and ultimately social upheaval is not a bad thing yeah it's happened forever Mm -hmm. how do we get progress without a bit of upheaval exactly revolution even Mm -hmm. right so if you read history number one these things have always happened yeah right and number two it's not always been the destruction of something that was really good. Yeah. It may very well be a growth process, but Mm. I don't know if I'm just being too Pollyanna about the whole (laughs) thing. Although it is, that is a concept that brings me comfort. When I think about my kids Mm. and I look at how, how that unpredictability and stress has affected them, Mm. I get into that self-talk of like, oh my God, like it's going to be a damaged generation where this is, they're all going to be so anxious, like it's going to be like defining of their generation in a bad way. Mm. But 
insert positive self-talk, generations always are affected by world events Indeed of they what are. befalls them. Yep. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, that's just what being human is about, mm-hmm. you know. And I think um, in breaking down what was, you know, there have been, for example, people with disabilities who have been told, we can't phone you into this meeting, you can't work from home, mm-hmm. you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. Mm-hmm. And something that this pandemic has absolutely taught us is that, you know, those with privilege have just held everybody else at arm's length because it's easier for them, for Mm -hmm. us, Mm -hmm. right? It's been easier. We don't have to think about that stuff. Therefore, we don't think about that stuff. And now, you know, every disabled person who has has been demanding this kind of opportunity for work, Mm -hmm. you know, who are brilliant and just Mm want to be able to do what they need to do in Mm -hmm. order to do the brilliant work Mm -hmm. that they do, Mm -hmm. are saying, well, clearly... We could all along, and that's a decision that's been made. You know, when we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, Mm -hmm. we're talking about inclusion. We're not talking about tokenistic opportunities for people to join social groups or join join workplaces or whatever. You know, it's not, oh, look, we have a a black person on our board. Therefore, Mm -hmm. look at our DEI scores. Mm -hmm. You know, like, well, you've got a whole heap of disabled people or people of colour or mums who need to have flexibility or dads who need to have flexibility who have been demanding this stuff forever Mm -hmm. um, who are knocking on the door that you won't open. So, you know, none of the tokenistic BS anymore, I think. Mm -hmm. I think all the excuses are... Yeah. Out the window. Same with the, like, um, people moving to more rural centres. Uh-huh. Like, that is overarchingly a good thing. Yeah. Um, and wonderful. Yeah. There's been so many strategies in the past trying to encourage people out of cities and more to yeah. the rural centres that haven't worked. Yep. Uh, but this has. <laughs> and there's been massive, you know, problems in rural centres, regional areas of brain drain, you know. Mm-hmm. The kids go to university outside of of the regional Mm centre and off they go to the big city to get the jobs because that's where they all were, Um, which, you know, also leads to a whole lot of environmental issues and commuting Mm -hmm. leads to issues. You know, we've got a big opportunity to do things differently. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's exciting. So, yes, I'm going to be Pollyanna-ish too. That's all good. I'm actually thinking I might even do like a little post on our Facebook, which is kind of like all the good things yeah. 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 <laughs> and ask people to further contribute because I think – yeah, we need that. Yeah. There's so much dumb, bad news, really. Yeah. And, and mm. it's not to say that the bad news doesn't exist. Mm. And it's not to, to be completely oblivious yeah. to what's going on in the world. But it's it's also to go, you know what, there are some good things mm-hmm. happening to Yeah. Yes. And pain and difficulty and adversity and reflection is not bad. Mm. Growth can come from it. All right. I want to talk about languishing. Oh, I love that. Adam Grant is brilliant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we will post it on our Facebook. We will. Driving over here, I was thinking we should probably get a bit better at doing um, notes. Yeah. The, what was it called? Show notes. Show notes. Mm. Show notes, show notes. Mm. However, if you're looking for show notes, we actually have gotten much better at doing posts on our Facebook instead. Indeed. Pop so, the kettle on. It's always tea time mm-hmm. on Facebook. As we chat, I make down little notes of stuff that I can post mm. and add to the conversation. So I'll share the languishing article. Yeah. Love um, it. I really 
related to. Mm. Just the idea. So again, um, psychologist Adam Grant, he's Canadian, um, wrote an article sometime mid last year, 2021, just saying, are you feeling exhausted and a bit meh and a bit of a struggle to really care much? I'm caring about everything, but I can't care about anything. Mm. And I think it does fit with that idea of doing the conveyor belt game for so long we have this secondary process, which is I just got to shut down a yeah. little bit. Numbing. Uh-huh. Mm. Um, I very much relate to that sense of like, I feel like I haven't lived for the last two years. Yes. Like my memory has not been like, there's not as many events to put into my memory. Yeah, absolutely. And in its place, I've got all this stats and facts about yeah. SARS-CoV-2 yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and all the other stuff that I've had to put into my brain mm. and nice experiences and joy are not the things that are getting encoded into memory. Yeah, yeah. Two last points. I can sum it up quickly. Go. Because there's this recent article just a couple of weeks ago um, that was written by Joe Pinsker in The Atlantic. Mm. I've not actually read it yet, but I shared it with you. I heard it talked about on a podcast saying also cognitively we're struggling. Our brains are struggling because our brain wants to make a narrative. Mm. So back to contagion, I'm like, how are they going to sum it up? Yeah. There's no conclusion. Mm-hmm. It's the same in our lives. Yep. We and are storytellers first and foremost. Exactly. So I think it really does help to be able to tell yourself stories, even if you don't know that they're true. Yeah. Even if you say to yourself, okay, the, that wave is done. <laughs> Low risk in the community now. I'm going to go out and have a party. Mm. I mean, just so long as those facts are true. Yeah. I think trying to embrace life and opportunity when we have it yeah. is generally a good idea. Mm. But I know for me and many other people, again, more love to you. I just can't even fathom travel at the moment. I'm just still in languishing mode. It was very weird to be in an airport. Mm-hmm. Very weird. Yeah. But it was also nice. Yes. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's it. Yeah. I think um, for all of our listeners, obviously, if you've read, if you've read, if you've seen Contagion, please yeah. pop on our Facebook page and have a chat about it um, in our posts because we really want to hear what you have to say about it. Um, I am a wuss who could not do my homework because I'm just, it's too close. I just couldn't get there. So tell us what you think about that. Uh, Pop the kettle on. It's always tea time on Facebook. And of course, you can find um, Little Shop of Pop on Facebook as well for pop psychology. Where we will have our blog posts. Yes. And my turn this week. Yay. And a link to our episodes. Yes, indeed. Mm -hmm. So listen to us wherever you find your podcasts. And of course, you know, if you'd like to give us a review, that helps other people find us. We'd appreciate that too. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right. Nick, do you want me to remind you what we're doing next time? Please do. It's it's fun. Good. We are talking Dr. Seuss. (gasps) Oh, Oh, the the places places you'll go. go. Oh. One of my faves, and I get to tell you all the stories about who I've given that book to and why. Oh, and we'll shed some happy tears for yes. once. Yes, that sounds good. All right. Uh, so we're going to put you in the waiting place until then. <laughs> but, oh, my God, that's so isolation. Isn't it? Uh, so until next time, Rach. Hug your babies. Yeah, and be kind to yourselves and one another if you can. We'll talk to you next time. Take care. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to a Little Shop of Pop production. Pop the Kettle is hosted by Wooshka and is edited and produced by me, Nicole Lassier, and Dr. Rachel Bushy, with production help from the fabulous Palak. Talk to you next time.